0: Hello everyone, welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they are all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. It's my pleasure to welcome back two guests on our show today. Waukesha County Executive Paul Farrow and Dale Shaver, Waukesha County Director of Parks and Land Use, are joining me today to continue our conversation around the way their county has collaborated in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. They also are going to talk about how they have a commitment to data-driven decisions and about the people in their workplace and managing their teams in this extremely important time as we faced the disruptions and challenges that all of us has faced over time. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing what they have to say today. I know I'm looking forward to it and just appreciated them being with us last week. Before we listen today, I just want to encourage all of you to go back and hear the first part of this interview in episode 92. So I want to just continue the conversation that we had last. We were focusing on the partnerships and really looking at their input and impact on schools. And so I'm going to welcome back Paul and Dale to really dive a little deeper into some of these conversations today. Uh, Welcome back, Paul and Dale. Welcome to the the show today. Um, Really great episode last week, and we want to continue the conversation. So, Paul, welcome back.
1: Janet, thanks
2: for having us
0: back. All right. And Dale, same to you.
2: Same here. Same here.
0: Okay. Let's, we talk, we were talking a little bit about partnerships and, um, you know, a little bit about, you all know, we work um, with, with, with communities as a whole, but have a, a number of partners with school districts and, and uh, colleges. Um, and so i want to, I want to go very specifically to, to something that's top on mind on all of us right now. And that that's re-entry, you know, how do we really reenter? enter um, And so, you know, Right now, the reentry recommendations are, are very restrictive with respect to social distancing guidelines. School leaders are, are struggling to determine how to, how to move forward with these guidelines for things like school facilities, transportation, just classroom setup. You know, so, how is Waukesha County working with the area school districts to build a, a, a plan for safe reentry that will keep the schools safe and, and is actually doable and financially sound? Paul, I'll start with you.
1: Thanks, Janet. And and again, it comes uh, to an easy word, I guess, is called communication. Um, Okay, it's not that easy. But (laughs) when you think about it, when this started right away, we started looking at businesses and how can we get businesses to ensure that they can open safely, especially essential businesses as defined by the state, and started working through them very quickly we realized in reaching out to the schools that we're going to have the same challenge in the fall for the schools as they open up. And we have been meeting, the public health director and myself have been meeting with a consortium of school superintendents the last couple of weeks to start looking at what are the best practices we're already doing when it comes to health in our schools, and then what do we need to ensure with the COVID virus. And the dialogue that we've created. It is a great opportunity for public health to look at how a school operates and the schools to look at what the concerns of public health are and what the spread is. And very quickly you can see, you know, gears kind of churning. Can we really have six feet of separation in a classroom? Are the kids going to keep the masks on? How do we work within the framework that we have? And I think we've started a great conversation. Our goal is in the next couple of weeks to have, we're meeting on a weekly basis to talk through what we're doing and come up with kind of best practices framework as we get into early July so that the schools can start messaging out to the parents, this is hopefully what the fall looks like. We're also waiting to hear what the state's going to put the requirements on. Um, One thing that's kind of unique in Wisconsin is the county really has no control in the schools. Um, All the schools are separate school districts and then we have a State uh, Department of Public Instruction that kind of gives them umbrella operations of them and so we're partners and like I've said before and we talked about a little bit last week that partnership is very important in many different ways but because of the conversation we created before this we can have these tough important conversations now figuring out how to get the the kids back into schools how to keep them safe, and how to get ourselves back into a system where the education is the most important thing to get the kids what they need to be successful.
0: And Paul, you have, so am I, I'm, am I right with this? So as a county, you have multiple superintendents that you're working with, right? You're working with a number of school districts, right?
1: I have 19 superintendents in the county. <laughs> so so there tra- are either K-8 to K-12 to unified high school.
0: Okay. So it's really trying to, if I hear you right, um, Paul, it's try it's pulling those superintendents together, you know, trying to work collectively with those superintendents. So at least as a county, there's kind of a common approach and a and a common way of, of moving forward. Is that right? Did I hear you right there? Correct.
1: We are working on that and, and our goal is as we continue to get a better picture, is broaden our spheres. So we want to try to get some regional collaboration especially in the economic region that we're in there's about seven counties that are very tight knit if we can build out that model so that everybody understands and is working on the same page then we have a good understanding of how we've got to deal with any flare ups that occur in the schools and then can emulate the best practices through it
0: that's fantastic so i mean dale are you part of you know part of the i know you're you know you've been connected you know with us in the schools have you you know been part of this conversation as well
2: yeah, I think what what we've been talking a lot about is our lessons learned. Maybe the last uh, at least a month ago. What from the empathy standpoint, what are businesses feeling? And I will just tell you I, what I watched there. Particularly was first of all there was a uh, a void of information, a void of guidance, and then quickly it became so much, and it was information overload. And I began to see businesses almost freeze. Uh, with what do I do next? And so um, I think Paul's work taking what we've learned to help businesses and trans- uh, bring that forward to education, I think is really valuable. And particularly, yeah. I think school districts have the same challenge that the service industry does, where they have to earn not only in opening school and educate, but they have to earn trust of their constituents that they're doing this safely right because at the end of the day they they're answering to that that customer base and so i think the work that paul's doing with the our public health officer and the the 19 districts sets that tone and sets that expectation and that they have a common uh plan i think is really really smart
0: and you know i um I don't know how your conversations have evolved over time. You know, let's say several months ago when I was first talking with either presidents of universities or superintendents, you know, I have a a number of clients, partners who are at universities and colleges. And, um, you know, we were we were initially thinking, how do we build a safe environment? you know, so no one gets sick, right? I mean, that we build that type of environment. And our conversations now have kind of turned as we've seen it moving forward. Of course, that is the hope and do everything for that to occur. And then the other conversation is what happens when somebody gets sick, right? Because the reality is that's probably, if we don't think that could happen, then we're not preparing for what's ahead of us. So, you know, just as we've learned more, have you felt that a little bit as that conversation begins to shift from multiple perspectives?
2: And Janet, I think that's what's so important about the partnership that Paul initiated with the school district, the nurses, because their experience this summer working with us on disease investigation will put them in the front line of feeling uh, discussions with individuals that tested positive and those who have been in direct contact. So when Paul talked about when school resumes, what do you do with that positive case? They now will have had a full summer of experience dealing with that matter. And so we've now embedded, if you will, public health experts Mm -hmm. inside of school districts and inside of Carroll University. That is that is invaluable for us. That is a gift that will pay spades this fall and by Mm -hmm. far.
0: Yeah, and I love, Paul, You know the connection to the university, to the school, to the business. You know, Go ahead. I mean, just uh, expand on that a little bit. Yeah,
1: one of the things that in the conversations very early on with the districts and talking to the superintendents, Janet, like you're saying, we're changing the mindset. We're not here to keep everybody healthy. We're to contain who gets sick. And I think one of the, the things that we've started working from is schools are essential. So if we're going to start talking about essential and non-essential businesses, we have to look at it as a school as essential business for many different reasons. But then how do we care for those individuals as they come in? The kids from K to 12, how are we going to help them understand? And there's differences at age that I think we can look at. Uh, you know, it's amazing when you start the conversation. You know, we talk about again flattening the curve for the COVID. And keeping your cohort tight, those people that you're engaged with. Well, in the conversations with the schools, what we're seeing now is we have to teach parents that their cohort has just gotten a little bit bigger. It might be those 25 kids in the classroom and their families. And here's what we have to do. Uh, And you can kind of hear again, uh, like I've said before, the important part of this is, is now bringing the parents and the families into the conversation very early on so that they have an understanding of what school's going to look like in the fall for their students and what they're going to be responsible for. And that is why we're we're pushing pretty hard to get this information and a framework done so that we have July and August to really communicate out to the parents and the families what it's going to look like.
0: I and I really this is so um you know, so informative and I, you know, can't wait as a follow-up. I just want to stay connected with you all because we've had those same conversations about really from the learning standpoint, you know, we're looking at how do we, how do we help parents become a learning coach, you know, with their children because that's changed now, right? So I think, you know, our whole concept of the way parents and families are involved in schools, we've always known it's important, but it's, it's just, it's a multiplier effect right now of that level of importance. For what we all have to do together.
1: Oh, I agree. And I think what's, for, from my perspective, and my wife is a school counselor, uh, there's a new appreciation for teachers, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially when you're having to be a teacher and work your job at the same time. And by the way, your son keeps coming in to ask questions <laughs> on homework when you're on a Zoom call. Yeah. Uh, those type of things people are realizing. And that's, that's kind of why I went to the importance of schools are essential for many reasons. And part of that is to allow the parents to do their job, and allow the kids to learn properly and successfully through educated teachers.
0: That's right. Thank you for that discussion with really focusing in on schools and in uh, the partnership. You know, let's kind of pull it around full circle. And you know, we started uh, uh, the the first episode with you all in conversation about you know just that importance of improvement work. Without the improvement work, it would be very difficult to even get to the point where we're having conversations to make some of these significant decisions. You know, so Dale, I'll start with you and then Paul come back as a follow up. What are the one or two things that you've learned from doing this improvement work, Dale?
2: I, I think the most is taking the time to invite your team into the process to define what success looks like for your programs. Um, we didn't do that years ago. Those were, I would say more traditional top-down directions for customer service, et cetera. But once we reverse that, now you have a workforce that understands the why um, and is totally vested in in carrying that out. And not only only understanding it, but we've watched over the past several months people working well outside of their traditional skill set or their job role are now actively looking for ways to improve that function. Uh, That is incredible. And then I would also say that this has opened our eyes over the last several years on recruiting for our culture, um, where we are now mindfully identifying in our interview process, the recruitment, the interviewing, all around those cultural skills. And that is paying dividends for us over and over now.
0: I know what we've found over the years, I'm sure you all have too, is, you know, when you begin to build this type of culture and build the improvement process within, you have really good candidates who want to work with you too. And that makes, exactly. you know, that makes, that makes a huge difference. Paul, what yeah. are your thoughts?
1: Well, again, kind of from the, the top down, look at what's going on. I have found it just incredible how much we're empowering our team to kind of, as Dale said, Now that they know the why, they're able to start engaging in solutions. And instead of just asking for help, they're coming back with suggestions to the policy team and emergency operations with some solutions that are creative. And that, I think, for me, has been one to really watch how different departments, the silos disappear, and Parks and Land Use and Public Works and HHS are finding ways that they can work together together really doing the same thing, but they came at it from slightly different approaches and how they can create a new model. You know, when we talk about the COVID virus, one of the biggest challenges is communication. You know, we have a PIO team that is from every single department providing information and template ideas for response to the community. Even though it's public health driven, I think you're seeing such a support network that is helping them out They don't feel like they're on their own island trying to solve this. Yeah, And I think the most important thing for me, again, my job is in the challenging situations, as I was trying to kind of joke with Dale, is I try to stay as calm as possible. Now, he gets to see the other side of it, of course. (laughs) But to everybody else, it's calm, collected, and we're we're rocking this thing out. One of the ways to do that, um, kind of going back to the rounding, is you've got to get the successes. And so we had, uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, we had twice a week call-ins from all our departments to find out what's going on with COVID. And we did shout outs. And on the call, we we're asking, you know, tell us somebody or something that is working, who's doing well. Uh, I can't tell you how many handwritten notes I've sent out over the last two months thanking people. Uh, our IT guys have knocked it out of the park. Hmm. Um, trying to keep us all interconnected. But that goes such a long way that you see what's happening, you recognize it, and then you thank them for it. And I think that really has helped us continue to build on the model that we created. This is just showing that we can really do it. It works. And I think we're getting more excitement about moving forward outside of COVID, but still with the continuous improvement, following the nine steps, and really ingraining this into the culture as we move down the road.
0: Thank you, Paul. So as we conclude today, you know, um, just so important, these, the two sessions that we've had, um, so much to learn from, from you all. And I'd like to give you an opportunity, you know, to leave us with some advice to help your colleagues across the nation. As I've said, I just, you know, hope that, that others are listening and will take some of the lessons, learn and apply them because it's it'll make a difference in our communities. And um, Paul, uh, Dale, I think I'll start with you and I'll kind of end with Paul from that CEO perspective. But you know, if you were giving your colleagues as you're providing leadership to your teams a piece of advice, what would you say?
2: You know, Janet, you and I have had that conversation a few times where I've described it as I feel a buzz in our organization. And certainly we measure employee engagement but there's nothing like this feeling the intangible of an excited workforce and so my i think my key takeaway to our colleagues uh, across the, the nation whether you are in K12 in a university or in government budgets are going to keep getting tighter now is not the time to take funds away from investing in your culture now's the time to double down because i will tell you what we've seen here where inside of an organization that needs some additional help on culture, this, it, the spotlight really becomes bright in a crisis. And so now's the time to yeah. really focus on your culture because when that's in place, you shine.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. And, you know, Paul, from a CEO perspective and to your CEO colleagues and county government and other CEOs out there, you know, what advice do you leave people with today?
1: You know, as an elected official, it's kind of different because I had 400,000 people hire me, you know, sight unseen. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned from this position is to empower. Don't be afraid to reach out to your department heads and your managers and give them the understanding that you got their back. You know, we're all going to have situations that didn't work as well as we anticipated. There might be that, quote, failure that occurs. But life happens. We learn from it and we move on. And I think that is one of the things that I found is if people make a mistake, don't hammer them for it. Work it through. We've got a process that we talk it through and then get them reengaged right away to keep moving. And they realize, okay, I can try something. And if it doesn't quite work, it's not like I'm going to be thrown out. I get an opportunity to come back and do it again Empowering people to really be successful. I think is what's made us so great in how we're dealing with the COVID is everybody's willing to take that chance because they know one, the boss has got their back and he's going to work with them so they can try that and see if it's going to be successful. And I think that's the, the best thing. Like Dale said, uh, I think we have doubled down on our education and our self improvement giving the, the the employees the opportunity to be as successful as possible personally gives them that opportunity to add to this organization professionally and really continue to grow it
0: Paul and Dale thank you for being bold and courageous and really taking ownership and care and concern for the people that work with you and, and your communities. You're a model for all of us to to look up to. I have great admiration and respect for both of you and, and what you're doing. Thank you very much for being with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you,
2: Janet.
0: KK is joining us to talk about work we've been doing recently to help our partner organizations create a plan for moving forward after COVID-19. As I mentioned about the reentry toolkit, you know, we created that toolkit. You were part of that process to support our partners because we were hearing from them, you know, there was a great need to get help. And um, I know you're going to, with that toolkit, going to lead four roundtable sessions aligned to that toolkit, three sessions in July on Tuesdays. Tell us what you're going to do in these roundtables. I think it'd be great for our listeners to hear.
3: What we're going to do at the roundtables is really address current issues that K-12 school district leaders are grappling with, and especially those issues for which there are no precedents. We don't really have a bank of best practices for reentry. This is really new territory that we're traversing here. So not only are we going to link useful tools from our reentry toolkit to people who join us for these roundtables, we're also going to really talk about very current issues. We'll be sharing a couple of tools from the toolkit at each roundtable, but more importantly, we're going to meet a need that has been expressed by many leaders around the country, and that is really this question, what are others doing? Everyone wants to know, what are other people doing? So the bulk of our time in the roundtables is gonna be just that, digital table conversations where leaders can convene in small groups, share, listen, learn from each other. Our student education coaches are going to be facilitating these small groups to keep the discussion going around the topic, but it's really so that everyone can listen to each other, learn from each other, tie back to our toolkit if it's helpful to them, and then the share out will help people hear a little bit about what's discussed in each of the breakout rooms.
0: Yeah, I like that, KK. I think it's going to be be really helpful to leaders. You know, to hear from each other. You know, how do how could they, based on the leaders that you work with? You know, how could these roundtables be helpful to them? I think
3: something that is in the forefront of everybody's mind is that leaders know they have to be decisive right now. Stakeholders are expecting that from the leaders, but this is hard because we're making a way where there is no way. We don't have a way forward.
0: To reentry. and and that's why the roundtables i think are so important because we can learn from each other and we can bring people together who are experiencing some of those same problems and uh, we've we all wanted to do this as just a service that we provide um, and you know just appreciate that opportunity to learn more about our re-entry toolkit preparing leaders for a successful return to school next year join kk at our next re-entry roundtable on tuesday at 2 p.m Visit studereducation.com to register and find out more. So as you all reflect on today's conversation with Dale and Paul and think about something that you can take with you, I just want to summarize a couple of things that I heard today from Dale and Paul. Think about what Dale said with doubling down um, on investing in your culture. In a time like what we've been going through, sometimes we tend to pull back from that. But what Dale really talked about is when we have a crisis, you know, that's when our culture shines. And so when we've invested in our people and we continue to invest in our people, then our culture will shine in ways that probably are even surprising to us. And so instead of pulling away from that, it's the time to invest even more in our people. I'll summarize too and end today with with something that Paul said that I just think is so admirable coming from a CEO. You know, he talked about empowering people. I and mean, gosh, don't we all want CEOs who really focus on empowering people? And one of the things that he said today is, I want to empower you. I don't want you to to be afraid to do the things that you need to do and to learn from those. Because what Paul said is, "I've got your backs." In our next episode, we'll invite Superintendent Corey Gallo to continue the conversation because he's one of the superintendents in Waukesha County. So we'll be able to connect the dots from the conversation we had today, you know, to really hearing from a superintendent who's experienced in the partnership with the Waukesha County government and the very specifically the partnership with Paul and Dale. As always, I thank you all for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can all be our best at work. Have a great week.